You're listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. (laughs) I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. uh, We are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman. (laughs) It is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. (laughs) (laughs) We do a podcast? What the fuck? Yahoo! I'm Mario, and a welcome to the Fanholes Podcast. It's the pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. Yay! This is Luigi and Mario welcoming you to the show. No, 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 Luigi. It's not a Luigi and Mario. It's a Mario and Luigi. No, Mario. I'm gonna say my name first. Why are you gonna be this way, Luigi, huh? I'm sick of you getting all this spotlight. Mario this and Mario that. I'm not gonna take it anymore. Luigi, what are you doing? Put down the fire flower. I'm gonna get a madu once and for all. Luigi, stop! I'm on the fire! I'm Mario! You're burning me alive! Now Luigi's number one. Yahoo! Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fanholes Podcast, the pop culture podcast for the fans by the fans. Tonight we have a very special show in store for you guys listening. We are doing, and if you're not already familiar with this, regular listeners will be in on the whole gag, but we're doing another Fan Holes Dare episode. And if you're not familiar with a Fan Holes Dare, it's basically when all of us Fan Holes get together and we pick a certain genre or topic and we assign another Fan Hole something that he has never read, seen, watched, played, whatever before. And tonight our theme is going to be Super Nintendo Dares. Tony was asking if we all wanted to give each other Super Nintendo dares, and we all came up with a game that the other hadn't played. And so I guess we're going to start with introducing everybody who's here, and then we'll go into the person's dare and what the other person had to play and what they thought of it. So I'm Derek, Derek WC, your host for tonight, and joining me are my fellow fan holes. Why don't you give a shout-out, guys, and let everybody know who's here. Hey, everybody, this is Brian Breakdown. Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing. Hey, this is Tony Chainclaw. The spoilers. Oh, old spoilers. Am I supposed to be a man? Am I supposed to say, it's okay, I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind. Well, I mind. I mind big time. <laughs> but you know what the worst part of all is? I never learned to read. Tonight, we are doing the SNES Dare the Super Nintendo Dare, and I guess I guess the easiest thing to do is just start first on my uh, Skype avatar, and we'll go with Brian, 
who is staring me square in the face with his little Metal Gear avatar from a couple podcasts ago. <laughs> um, Metal Gear. So, so go ahead and uh, I guess let let everybody know the game, the Super Nintendo game that you selected, and your um, your intended victim. Well, victim is a appropriate word that you use because my victim this week was Tony. And I didn't intentionally set out to give him a really bad game, but then I couldn't think of any other game that, you know, just came to mind to give him. So I ended up giving him Wayne's World uh, for the Super Nintendo. Uh, Wayne's World, my first time encountering it at the video game forum, um, was when it was given to me by a friend. And at the price of free, I felt I overpaid. Um, <laughs> there's really not a whole lot of redeeming qualities to it. I don't think I even ever beat the first level of it just because it was so... It wasn't just bad to play, it was like annoying to play. So anyways, I tortured Tony with it. Maybe he loved it, maybe he hated it, I don't know. But I was curious to see what he thought about it. Yeah, um, so first of all, fuck you. Um, <laughs> I can't really say anything, though, because after all the horrible things I've like subjected all the fan holes to, like, you know, karma's a bitch, so, you know, there you go. Um, yeah, Wayne's World. What can I say? Really, what can I say? <laughs> um, um, there was a lot of that. There's, there's a lot of digitized speech in this, but it's really repetitive. Um, the first, like, two minutes is just this digitized cutscenes of them talking, and I, I really zoned out for a minute. I thought I was going into a narcoleptic coma. And <laughs> <laughs> then you begin the game. You are, you are Wayne of, of Wayne and Garth. You have a pretty much like a cartoony body, but you have a digitized head, and you have this like you look you have this look on your face like you either like you know farted or you're just confused. You're just like, Ugh. and you're running to the right or left. It's kind of an adventure platformy game. You have a guitar, that's your weapon, and you shoot notes at really stupid things like bagpipes and trumpets. Horrible sounding notes too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like. Row, row. <laughs> I kept thinking, is that like a precursor for so I married an axe murderer or something, or like in in um you know in Austin Powers, what's the guy the fat bastard? Like, is it a precursor like that? Like Wayne is like combating the, the weapons of fat bastard and and uh, so I married an axe murderer, like all the Scottish guys in there or something? Because I was like, what's with the what's with the? It's like bag bagpipes are uncool, I guess, to Wayne or something. They just, yeah, they're not cool things. Um, the first stage takes place, I guess, in, like, a records, well, like a, a music store, because there's a bunch of amps and stuff all around and stuff. And, uh, again, the annoying digitized voices really annoy me, because when you're jumping around, if something bad happens to you, if you get hit, you go, NOT! Over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you get, hit, you get hit ad nauseum, right? Because you're like, NOT, yeah. NOT, NOT. Yeah, yeah. And whenever you pick up one of the icons that, as far as I know, do jack shit, I never did figure out what they did. I think one of them was a health. You, you, you keep saying, excellent, excellent. And <laughs> it's painful, it's painful. And, and like Brian was saying, it's not just a bad game. The controls are really horrible. It's really floaty. It's like every time you try to jump on something, you're like, oh, okay, I made it. No, I, I fucking didn't. Yeah, it's like a Mario Ice level almost, like with how terrible the controls are. It seems like you're always keeping off stuff. And um, like also, it's like really hard to tell like where your objective is and where you're going. Like it's really easy to get lost in the world. And like 
I don't know. You just don't want to be in that world for very long. So it's, <laughs> it's hard to play, like literally difficult to play. Yeah. I, I'm, unfortunately, I'm like you. I, I did give it the college try. I played it three times in a row all my lives, and I couldn't get past the first level. And then after the third time, I was just like, continue. I was like, not, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of, like, the way the character designs are, like you were describing how they have the digitized heads, like, it kind of reminded me of either the, that really awful Batman Forever arcade game or those, you know, the, the way they did Mortal Kombat, like, at least for the head. But then it's really weird. It's like they're a bobblehead, like where the bobblehead yeah. is super detailed yeah, and digitized, you know, and then and then they have that, like you were describing, the little cartoony type of body. I guess since Wayne's World is one of my favorite movies, and I did mention it as my favorite comedy, all I could think of actually is you're uh, – one thing I guess you, you didn't describe is that technically, like, you're you're out to save Garth Algar. Yeah, like, he gets kidnapped, yeah. He gets kidnapped, and Wayne's the one coming after him. And all I could think is, wouldn't it have been cooler if you could play as both of them, and you're trying to save like Tia Carrera, and she was like super hot and digitized? But like, mm. that's that's just me. I was like, what you know, basically, if you're thinking of it as Super Mario Brothers, it's like, well, imagine if Mario was saving Luigi. You know, it's like, well, aren't you supposed to save the princess? Like, isn't isn't Tia Carrera like the princess in that instance? But I don't know. Yeah, I think the only other thing I could say about it is <clears throat> they, they do have some cut, not cutscenes, but some demo screens before you play the game proper, showing you showing you the awesome gameplay. And one level is that chick who chases Wayne around in the first movie, the the psycho hose beast. Yeah, and, and all she does is just sit there and goes, "Hi Wayne, hi Wayne, hi Wayne, hi Wayne," and you're like, "Oh my fucking god!" Okay, you're like, <laughs> Stacy is a psycho hose beast. Yeah, yeah, the the voice sampling and all that did not help it at all. And for a, for a movie that is generally known for having some pretty good music in it, especially like you know some good bands like you know Alice, Co- Alice Cooper and stuff, this the background music was negligible. It was like just kind of droning rock, like so. Yeah, all in all, it was um, it was not a fun gaming experience. I I do feel. Somewhat good though, because a I, I got a bad dare out of the way, and second of all, I have played one of those games that everybody bitches about, so I can be like, yes, I have played a really really shitty game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, there is that. <laughs> cool, very cool, Mike. Do you have any thoughts on Wayne's World to add, or should we move along down the SNES dare line? Nope. Well, I guess not. I- not <laughs> if if you're gonna spew, spew on that. Awesome. <laughs> oh, a tricky devil has appeared. All right, Tony. So you you've regaled us with your adventures in Wayne's World. Why don't you tell us uh, who your intended victim was and what the Super Nintendo video game you chose for them is? Like I said before, I've been really bad about picking stuff I like, but. It's very out of the box, and most people are like, wow, that was kind of bad. So this time I was like, I want to pick something I know is good, and I really enjoyed as a kid, and it was a fun game. And my uh, victim, which I can't say he's a victim, he probably got one of the best games out of all of us this time, was uh, Mike. And Mike, I chose for him a Capcom game, so already he's like, you know, doing pretty well. And second of all, the name of it is Demon's Crest, which is like an action-adventure kind of game. You play uh, the Red Demon pretty much from Ghosts and Goblins, Ghouls and Ghosts. 
Firebrand, I believe is his name. And you go on this big uh, epic quest to save like the the Netherworld from uh, this evil guy Phalanx, and it's just just fun. So hopefully, I, I hope you enjoyed it, Mike. Was it was it pretty cool? Yeah, it was like a, you know, it was like your standard Capcom platformer. It had like very nice like graphics. Like you know, Capcom has sort of that cartoony like anime-ish style to most of their games. So like I found it very familiar. And, uh, like, like I, I really liked, yeah, like, the art direction. It kind of reminded me of sort of, like, Metal Slug, almost. Like, hmm. sort of, I don't know, like, just the way, like, sort of certain, like, textures looked and whatnot. And, I don't know, the gameplay was kind of like... Well, first of all, like, I, I guess that this... It has a nice, like... Uh, it actually has, quote-unquote, cutscenes. Or, or more, like, you know, little, like, you know, digitized images with text to them which tell the story of Firebrand, where basically it's like there's the human world and the demon world, and all of a sudden, like, there were six um, crests, like magical crests that appeared out of nowhere, and they, they fell into the demon world, and giant and like giant wars were waged over these crests. And finally, this dude named Firebrand, or, well, he's only, in the first scene, he's only called the Red Demon. <laughs> he manages to get, like, almost all the crests except for one. And uh, there's six crests, and uh, they have, it's the powers of the planetaires minus the lame heart power, and plus, <laughs> uh, I think the other two are time and heaven. So, and and they all, like, at the end of the game, like, they all combine into the Infinity Crest, which I was like, wait a minute, like, six, like, jewels of <laughs> that have different powers, and they all combine into the Infinity Crest? I mean, like, that sounds, I was like, that sounds like a totally original idea. Now you're playing with Thanos. <laughs> yeah. Did, did yeah. Demon's Crest come out before or after Infinity Gauntlet? I think it's 1994. Hmm. I think that's uh, after, right? I don't know. I gotta, maybe I, I I get confused because I lived through it, so. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a haze for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I, look it up while you guys talk. Look, maybe I'm wrong. I I thought I remembered reading it was 1994, but no. But in in whatever case, so anyway, like. Uh, oh, Infinity Fire Gauntlet. Brand. Infinity Gauntlet was 1991. So there you go. Wow, there you go. Okay. Well, in whatever case, like Firebrand, like he's he has like all the crests except one, and this big like badass dragon has the last one. And Firebrand's not like one to like be like, okay, well five out of six isn't too bad. Like he's he wants his friggin' last crest. So he goes and he kills the dragon, and he gets the last crest. But he's so weak that like Tony said, this bad guy name, uh, I think it's like Phalanx, like the X-Men villain or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But funny. yeah, but he comes and he steals all the crests from Firebrand and he, he he knocks him out of the thing and he's like, ha ha, you'll never get me now. And Firebrand's like, motherfucker, I'm getting my crests back. So basically like the entire game is you going through all these like worlds and recovering the crests from like uh well it's funny because phalanx sends like his general like I, I think his name is arma like i only fought him like twice and then i, <laughs> I, I <laughs> yeah I, I didn't i didn't beat the game i only played i think like four three or four levels but like like phalanx's like number two guy like comes after you like at the end of like every level and he's like you know i'll beat you this time and then when you beat him he's like damn you beat me here's one of the crests like <laughs> and i'm kind of like man did phalanx like sanction this he's like 
You know, if if you he beats you, give up the crest. Like what? Like that doesn't sound like a good plan. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's doing like a whole star screen thing. It's like, hey, if I do this for like you know Firebrand, I could take it over Felix Town. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I feel like Firebrand should have been like, do you have permission to do this, dude? Like, <laughs> whenever you get like a crest, you get like an upgrade for Firebrand, and it gives you a certain power. And you know, the the crest, like I said, it's all the planetaires' powers, basically Earth fire, wind, water, uh, heaven, and time. Yeah, and, you and turn, like, you turn, each, like each one, different goblins, yeah. Yeah, different, like, gargoyle upgrades or whatever. It, I, it, it, it says, like, a gargoyle, like, and, like, but it's, like, a period gargoyle. Yeah, and I'm like, my favorite what is does G that gargoyle. Mean? G gargoyle, yo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would I, think fans of, of games like Castlevania would probably enjoy this because it seems to yeah, be uh, similarly themed. I mean, you know, not exactly the same, but it, it has those kind of supernatural elements that might be appealing to someone who enjoyed that franchise. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say, beautiful. like... I think it's a beautiful-looking game. Yeah, like I said, like, the art direction is awesome, and, like, I guess the game, the gameplay is, I guess, like Super Mario Brothers, but instead of jumping on things, you, you hover, or you have to flap your wings, and he can stay in place, and he wall climbs, and instead of, like, killing enemies by jumping on them, it's basically, you have, like, infinite fireballs, basically, but they only shoot forward instead of, instead of, like, uh bouncing like Mario's fireballs will do but yeah so it, it's kind of it's almost like sort of it's a mix of Mario and like Mega Man in terms of gameplay and like I I watched like I didn't beat the game but I like fa- I watched a YouTube video to see what the final boss was like and man like I don't think like in like infinitely more now but like as a kid I probably wouldn't have had the patience to deal with the boss cuz it, it's like he's one of those guys that takes like 15 minutes to beat and you can't like <sighs> yeah. You can't screw up or you'll fall in yeah, lava. Yeah. And like like he friggin' like shoots these beams and like he block like you can only hurt him like right before and right after he shoots this giant beam. Otherwise he's just always blocking his weak spot and stuff and like man, like I would not I don't maybe I would, like maybe back then I was like stubborn and stupid and I didn't know any better, but today I'd be like, Man, that's like a that's like a fool's errand. Like I wouldn't like try to beat that guy. Like, I, I would just I, I'd be happy with the crests I had, and then I'd retire, basically. If it makes you feel any better, I mean, obviously, we, you and I, Mike, have established that I'm a piss-poor gamer. But I did try to play this a little bit. I could not get past, like, the very first screen without going to, like, game facts, because I was like, what's up with this dragon, dude? Like, why can't I get outside? Like, and so then, and then I was like, oh, we'll I have to hover with the wings like you're describing and everything. And so finally I figured it out after reading a couple passages and watching a few videos. And then even then, I still couldn't quite get it right. And eventually I got it where, you know, you jump through the other wall and the dragon yeah. pokes his head through the door. And then I played it for a little bit. Um, the, the other thing I thought was interesting was, and I don't know if... if you know, saying the guy's name is Phalanx made any comparisons to, like, the Marvel Comics X-Men Phalanx, but when I was looking through some of the YouTube videos just to see, like, what some of the bosses looked like, I don't know what level it was, but I stumbled upon one boss battle, and the guy kind of looks like a combination of, like, Pizza the Hut and, like, that monster that appears in the Amazing Spider-Man graphic novel, Hookie, because it's comprised of all these, like, weird Akira oh, yeah, flesh. The, eye- the eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, like this weird... Guy. 
weird flesh beast, and all I could think of was I was like, dude, that that dude thing, that thing escaped from Amazing Spider-Man Hooky. Like that's what it looked like to me. So uh, I was like, there, there's lots of very interesting, like you were describing, you know, the character designs and the art direction and everything. There's very interesting bosses and creatures and everything. So I, I, you know, obviously I think Tony enjoyed the game and was trying to give you a game that he thought was was pretty interesting and fun to play. So Yeah, I, I thought, like, I probably would have liked it a lot more if I was, like, like I said, if I was, like, more of a kid and, like, I didn't know any better, where, like, you know, like, I probably would have thought, like, any game with, like, a sto- actual story and stuff I had to read and, like, like watch to, fig- like, you know, to become engrossed in, like, I would have probably thought that was, like, revolutionary when I was, like, 8 or 10 or whatever, like, you know, like, a, a video game with a story? Like, what is this? Oh, well, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I will say this as far as, like, <clears throat> the reason why I gave it to you is because I enjoyed the hell of it. I actually did beat it when I was a kid, and it is definitely, it does have that Castlevania vibe to when you beat it. It's just hard enough. It's not super, like, ridiculously difficult, but it's hard. There, there's some hard spots in it. And it's just hard enough to when you do beat it, you're like, yeah, that little, you know, that moment of like, yeah, I did that. Fucking beat that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I would have felt accomplishment, yes, if I beat it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I also, I liked, I was reading, there's like three different endings, like depending on like what you do oh, and what, okay. how you upgrade. So that's always like a nice touch. Yeah, now, I got one of the good ones. I was Ultimate Gargoyle when I fought him, so. Oh, now Tony, as the person that recommended the game, I'm just curious because... It seems like Capcom eventually has a lot of different franchise games, you know, whether it's like Street Fighter or, you know, a- any of the kind of game franchises that they have going on, like Mega Man or whatever. But did did this Demon's Crest, like, spawn any, like, were there previous games or are there any, like, later sort of spinoff or sequel games to this? I don't remember the exact title, um, but this is actually a sequel to Ghosts and Goblins and Ghouls and Ghosts, because like I said, Firebrand oh. is that annoying red demon who fucks with you okay. when you're trying to like do move to the right. But there was, uh, let me let me look it up real quick. It won't take long. There was there was one on. Oh, isn't it? I was reading it. It's like Gargoyles Quest or something. Yeah, it's on Game Boy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so That's cool. Either, yeah. yeah, it's either yeah, either a port of Demon's Crest and it was kind of the same game. Or something new with Firebrand, but yeah, yeah, it was. It, 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 I, th- I would say it was not super popular, but I would say it was, it was definitely a cult favorite. I, I, anybody who played it when I was a kid, because my friend let me borrow it. Anybody whoever I let play it or whoever we played it with, they they loved it. So it was definitely a cult game. I don't know if it was like a Street Fighter level popularity, but it, it was. Yeah, it had it had a good fan base. I think. Oh. The reason I knew who Firebrand was is because he was in Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Apparently good enough cult character that he got thrown in there, so hey. Yeah. I'm Bartman. Thank you, Mass Vigilante. Your overzealous homicide has saved me 80 cents. Now, if you're not going to buy anything, please move along. So I guess that wraps up the talk on Demon's Crest. So Mike, the uh, the SNES Dare line has now moved down to yourself. Why don't you tell us who your intended victim was and what you wanted them to play? Well, it turns out my intended victim was you, Derek. You, sir. But uh, it was you, and the game I picked for you was Bart the Simpsons' Bart's Nightmare. 
which was a Simpsons game. Um, one of the first, like, Simpsons video games, like, I played, like, well, I guess, like, I had played the arcade game, and, you know, there, I think there was one on the NES and stuff, but, like, uh, this is one, like, I, I fondly remember playing, like, at a friend's house, like, after school, and, like, I remember being, like, Bartzilla and stuff, and, like, it had a really, a lot of nice, like, different, like, it, I guess, like, in terms of a Super NES game, like, you couldn't really, like, be, like, super, like, funny or anything, like, use, use the Simpsons, like, standard humor, and so, like, I guess, like, this game is kind of, like, uh, covers for that by, like, giving you a lot of different, like, cool uh, environments and stuff and, like, premises, basically, so... Yeah, so, I mean, I I had never played this before. I mean, that's kind of the goal of these dares, is to give somebody, expose somebody to something that they've never checked out before. I think when I first started playing it, I, I tried to be straight with it, like I usually am with games, and not look anything up and see how far I can get on my own without resorting to, you know, the the Nintendo Power, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, just to see if I can do anything. And I don't think I really understood the game because I was sitting there kind of going, all right, so you start out and, and Bart, you know, is falling asleep, and you're like, okay, well, he's dreaming, and I guess this is some kind of nightmare or what, what have you. And so he's walking down the street, and basically it reminded me of, like, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, where the kid gets hauled off by the bus and Freddy's in it because buses are trying to run you over. There's, you know, all these weird mailboxes that are coming to life and trying to steal your health. Um, you know, Lisa is flying around as, a like, a fairy godmother, and so I'm thinking, well, maybe Lisa can help me. So I run up to Lisa, and Lisa, the little bitch, turns me into a frog. <laughs> and so now it's like... I'm like, is this game like Frogger? Like, is am I supposed to like hop around or whatever? And so I'm not really sure what's going on, and I die a couple times, and finally I say, all right, you know, I got to do the Nintendo Power thing and figure out what's going on. So I go to, and obviously, like I say, I'm I'm a poor gamer, so this is no reflection on the the fun of the game or, or whatever. I just got to figure out what the rules are, and I don't really understand what the rules are at this point. And so I go to Game Facts, I start reading a, a frequently asked question. And there's all this stuff about what things do. And, and, you know, one of the things is, oh, well, don't go to Lisa because she turns you into a frog. And I go, well, I figured that out, you know, pretty quick. And then there are certain things where they say if you jump over a basketball, you can ride on a skateboard. If you blow bubbles, you know, bubble gum, I guess, you can hit it at the Zs, which I guess represent you snoring or sleeping, you know, at your homework table or whatever. And then, you know, the more Zs you pick up, you will get your health back, you know, after the mailbox has, you know, beat you up or what, you know, the buses run you over, you know, those Z's will, will help you get better. It's kind of like your health. And so I'm slowly figuring out the rules of this and I'm kind of like, okay, that's fine. But in the meantime, I'm kind of like, well, what am I supposed to do exactly? Like, okay, I get Z's like, so what? So I didn't really understand. And I kept reading it and kept reading it. And then I went to YouTube and watched a, a let's play. Cause I'm like, I still don't get this. Like what, what's the goal of the game? And then I see it and Basically, your homework is lost in the dream, and all these pages are rolling around on the streets of Springfield. And so the idea is you're supposed to collect all your homework back, because if you don't collect your homework back, then you'll get an F, and then you basically lose the game. So I was sitting there going, okay, i got to collect the, the pages. And it's not very easy to sort of 
get them. I guess in the in the walkthrough they made it easy where he's like, oh, there's a page, boop, and then all of a sudden you're faced with two choices between different colored doors. And so I was kind of like, okay. Then, of course, when I try to do it myself, I'm like, come back, come back, homework paper. And the mailboxes <laughs> are still beating me up, and old ladies are, are still, like, kissing me, and Bart is spitting out the kiss. And then I guess if you get turned into a frog by Lisa and the old lady kisses you, then you turn back into a real boy. And so I'm, I'm going through all this stuff trying not to get run over by buses, and finally I catch a, you know, piece of homework paper. And then that's when the game got good for me because I was kind of frustrated with the whole nightmare and street level. And you're like, well, no wonder this is Bart's nightmare, like everything in it. Like you're kind of like, oh, of course, Lisa would do bad things to Bart in his nightmare because he's not, you know, obviously fond of his sister in a way. You know what I mean? Like You didn't get, you know, the, you didn't get the saxophone, did you? When you get hit by a saxophone, everything goes backwards on your Yeah, yeah. When, when, you, when you jump up and hit the saxophone, then basically, you know, if you if you press forward, you're actually going to move backwards, and it turns all your controllers all, you know, bizarro controllers, you know, for the, the Super NES. And, and so I, I was kind of thinking, like, okay, well, n- now, this, you know, getting the choice between these doors. And so the first door I go through is a blue door, and that's – the Bartman level. And I was kind of like, oh, this is pretty sweet, you know, like, because you're basically your Bartman, you're flying around, you've got a slingshot, and it's very much like the Superman Taito game for the arcade, where it's that perspective of a side-scrolling flight thing, and you're just flying across the screen, and instead of using, like, heat vision and punching, you know, meteors and rocks like Superman would, you know, Bart is just flinging out all these slingshot, you know, balls, and and you basically have an infinite supply of them in the dream, and you're just taking down various citizens of Springfield that decide <laughs> to attack you. You know, there's there's I guess kind of things where Apu, the the Seven uh, Eleven owner, is running around on Aladdin's like flying carpet and trying to attack you. Uh, you've got like those two little sisters in a hot air balloon that are trying to attack you. Um, I think Nelson is like on ha ha with his hang glider trying to like take you out and all this. All, all I, these... I, I like Barney on a pink elephant. <laughs> yeah, Barney. Barney is on a pink elephant. And he's drunk and they're like burping like green belches at you and, and all this kind of crazy stuff. So, yeah, there were lots of cool things. I only got as far as guys, I guess you face off against Smithers twice and then you're supposed to face off against Montgomery Burns. So I only would get as far as Smithers in that instance. But I enjoyed the gameplay. I also just want to mention that Bartman is clearly a veiled reference to Batman. But again, (laughs) Batman is super jealous of Superman because obviously Bartman and Batman can't fly around. But I guess like Bartman's supposed to be able to glide or something like that. But this is he's clearly like flying of his own accord. So we know he really wants to be Superman, just like all Batman fans really want to be Superman. So <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. You can send all your angry Batfan emails to fanholspodcast at gmail.com. You all want to be Superman, not Batman. Um, anyway, so so there is the Bartman level. I thought that was a lot of fun, I think probably because of my love of superheroes. And, you know, this is a sort of you know, fictional character reveling in his, his superhero love and fantasy. And then the next door I got to choose also is a, a strong part of my fantasy and science fiction background, the green door. And the green door, you become Bartzilla, which is basically, you know, a veiled reference to Godzilla. And so you're running around 
destroying all these atomic plants in Springfield and houses, and you can throw fire bolts out of your mouth. And uh, ironically, unlike Godzilla, Bartzilla can shoot these eye beams, these blue eye beams out of his eyes and blow up like tanks and helicopters and stuff like that. There is an orange door where I didn't play this level too long because I heard it was the hardest level there was. But basically, I, I would call it like your Indiana Simpson or something. You know, you're, you're, you're basically like Indiana Jones and you're running through all these different kind of stone pillars. But if you make the wrong move, which I was often doing, some of the stone pillars would drop out from underneath you and you would basically like fall to your nightmarish death or whatever. And so there was that kind of level where Bart was very much dressed up like Indiana Jones. There was a purple door. Now the purple door I thought was supposed to be like Bart was underwater, like he was Bart Cousteau or something and he was 20,000 leagues under the sea. But when I read the actual description of it, supposedly you're in someone's bloodstream and you're killing germs and I just was going to say that I didn't get that at all. Like, I thought I thought he was just, like, underwater, and there were these weird creatures and stuff. And basically, you would get close to them and pump them with, like, your your uh, air pump. And then you'd pump them so much that they would pop and explode and everything. And I guess your goal in doing all these different dreams is you're supposed to get a, you know, basically, since it starts with this piece of homework that you catch in the middle of the street. Like if you are successful, which of course I wasn't on any of these levels, my main goal <laughs> is just to, to experience and play all of them, but I didn't actually catch any homework. So I'm an F student. Um, but you, you basically, if you were to succeed and, and have victory in the level, you know, get enough points and, and blow up enough, you know, power plants or, you know, beat up Montgomery Burns or, you know, whatever the end game was, then you would get that piece of homework. And I think there was like, what, six pieces of homework in total or something like that. Um, and then finally, there is a yellow door, which this is a kind of a fun level. You basically are transported into the itchy and scratchy show. And then as Bart, you have to quickly run around and find a mallet because otherwise itchy and scratchy will mallet you to death. And in addition to that, as you further progress in the level, Itchy and Scratchy have more and more, basically the weapons escalate. And yeah, like bazookas near the end. Bazookas, and you're basically, you're looking like, you know, a Warner Brothers guy after, you know, a bomb's gone off where you have, you know, charcoal dark, you know, ash all over your face and that kind of thing. So, I mean... I would say overall, it's definitely an entertaining game. I think once you get past the street nightmares, I found the street nightmares kind of annoying. Like, I think for me, I'm a lazy, piss poor gamer, so I would have appreciated it if it was like Simpsons, various fun games, and you could just choose the blue door, green door, orange door, purple door, yellow door, and play it instead of having to sort of hunt down those pieces of paper but that that was basically my take on it i mean i think of all the levels like i was saying before the, the most fun was the bartman level and then probably after that you know the most amusing to me was bartzilla so i i enjoyed those the best uh, mike you said you like played this like you know when you were younger and stuff <clears throat> did you give it to Derek because like you know obviously when this game came out this is when simpsons were really popular and stuff was that like kind of one of the reasons why you wanted to play it yeah, like I, I was excited to play it way back when, and I think I, but I think I mostly gave it to Derek because I was like looking through a list of Super NES games, and I was like, what have I like played that I'm sure like Derek probably hasn't <laughs> played? Like, and so 
Because like I was like Street Fighter, Street Fighter, Street Fighter, like Marvel games, like <laughs> DC games. Like I probably Dark's probably played all these. So I, I will say one thing though, Derek, just to give you like a little bit of props, and I don't know if Mike will agree. I don't know if you thought it really easy. I've played Bart's Nightmare myself, and you're you're not in a minority. It's a hard fucking game. Like the, the Godzilla level, the second part of it is it's a vertical scroller, and you're climbing up a building. See, yeah, I don't even think I ever got that far. Like, I just, I, I was on the ground the whole time, like, trying to fireball tanks and stuff. But I, I figured, like I was saying, like, my main goal was to at least experience all the different doors for myself. And then after that point, I was like, well, if I don't, if I don't get an A, if I don't pass all my, my uh, homework tests, well, that's how part probably is in real life. So <laughs> I'm not going to stress about that too much. Uh, how's your joystick? <laughs> it's a little loose, I think. <laughs> he doesn't even get it, Davis. <sighs> what a wuss. So I guess that kind of wraps up the whole Bart's Nightmare talk. I guess that brings us to myself. The the SNES Dare Train is now on me, so I will let you guys know. I, I think it's pretty evident now that, that Ooh, Brian... <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. That Brian was my intended victim, and the game I picked for him, I, I would say it is more along the lines of Tony's pick. I, I mean, we'll see what Brian thinks of it. Maybe he didn't enjoy it, but when I was a, a kid, one of the SNES games that I really, really enjoyed and I rented a bunch was Beavis and Butthead. And it is, you know, a side-scroller game, and it, it's pretty faithful to the look and feel of Mike Judge's show. And I enjoyed it, so I, I basically said, hey, which of these games, you know, have you, you know, basically I found a list of games I thought Brian may have not played that, like Mike was saying, that, that I enjoyed as a kid, and the first one was Beavis and Butthead, so I just asked him, have you played that? He said, nope, and I said, okay, well, that's your that's your dare, so... Let us know what you thought of it, Brian. I was kind of surprised that I'd never, not only have I had I not played the game till recently, but I'd never even heard of it. Because growing up, I was kind of a Beavis and Butthead fan when they were on, and my dad was a, probably a bigger fan than I was, but for some <laughs> reason, this game just never showed up on my radar. I think the first thing I'll say is modern games have really spoiled me with their difficulty, because, I mean, what makes a modern game difficult now is more just that you it's a time investment and if you give it enough time eventually you can pretty much anyone can pretty much beat any modern game but like games back for the NES and Super NES like <laughs> they're like legitimately hard and like yeah, yeah. you know i mean you can't just sit there and expect just by playing it you know another hour that you'll necessarily beat a level and there's a lot more bottlenecks in these like games yeah, and yeah. i mean you really have to have the skill to get through them and i think i think that skill in me is just eroded Basically, the premise of the game is, uh, I guess there's a Guar concert coming to town, yeah. and Beavis and Butthead are sitting on the couch, and it has a few um, of like the, the sound bites from the show and stuff, so their voices, you'll hear them occasionally, but it's kind of annoying in the intro, because it's just like them nonstop like, laughing, it's just a loop of them laughing, while the text actually below displays their conversation. Almost like they're like speaking some laughing dialect, and it's just interpreting for you or something. Yeah, yeah. You, you get like the subtitles of what their laughter means between yep. each other. I, I I know we were saying that the Wayne's World stuff was super annoying, but I, I always thought, well, at least they didn't try to have them sound bite the entire line. Like they were just basically. But I could see how that could be annoying as well, where they're just constantly like. Uh, uh. 
So I will I will say off the bat, like the game is really hard. I tried playing it, you know, multiple times over the the, the days leading up to the show, and I can't get past the first level, man. It's like just oh, okay. it be the the biggest high school in America because that's where your first level takes you and you're just wandering through the halls of this high school and I don't know I counted at least like three different gymnasiums I walked through like four or five <laughs> different bathrooms like with probably 20 toilets a piece and I suck at the game like uh basically I, I picked up um I don't know what weapons you get later on but the the main weapon I had was like a pea shooter or something it's uh, like a paintball gun basically like so you you basically need that like the the problem i always faced when i played the game as a kid was i was always running out of paintball ammo because you you really if you don't have that paintball gun like you're 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 not gonna do well like on the level like it's almost like if you run out of paintballs before you get to a certain point then you might as well just stop and (laughs) reset reset the game and start over but i i think in in my case i don't know about like skill eroding but i think my trick was always to keep playing the game as far as I could get through it, memorize what happened, and then avoid all the original pitfalls that I made that first walkthrough, I guess, if that makes any Uh sense. Uh, If it makes you feel any better as a kid, I don't think I got much further than the either second or third level. I think because you start in the high school, and then you're on the streets of Highland, and I think at the end of that you fight Mr. Anderson, you know, the, oh, boys, like, yeah. go out and find the Jupiter, boys. You know, and so he's got, like, he's got, like, a, I think, like, a leaf blower or something. I forget what he has, like, some kind of piece of gardening equipment. And you basically have to, like, you know, throw, you know, it's either paintballs or, you know, you pick up various items, like, sometimes that are projectiles, like, whether it's, like, because I think at some point you're in a hospital and then you're on the, the gurney, like, I think, like, Beavis, like, is is on the gurney squirting, like, stuff out of a syringe in people's faces <laughs> and stuff. And, like, Butthead is basically carting him around the hospital and stuff. And that's about as far as I got. I think that's the third. I, I think there's, like, five stages, because I think the last stage that I never got to as a kid is a mall. And then the fifth stage is you're actually at the concert, you know, beating up security guards and running around trying to get, like, front center on stage. But I don't think I ever got past the the hospital stage where, cause I, I think what ends up happening is you, you, you beat up Todd and, um, <laughs> what, whatever that other guy's name is, but it's like you, you have like a chicken, uh, chicken fight, you know, like, cause Beavis gets up on top of Butthead's shoulders and, and you've got these big paddles and you're whacking them at each other. And it's like, Todd's got his own little Beavis buddy that he, you know, does the chicken fighting up on top when you get to that final stage in the high school. I think I I watched some videos online when I couldn't beat the first ones. I saw a couple of later levels. They looked a little bit better, but um, like I don't know if the two-player mode would have been easier. Like if you could play like cooperatively, like one person controlling Beavis and one person controlling Butthead. I, I think I think it was one of those cases where the two-player level is exceptionally harder because you have to be synchronous. Like I, oh, okay. I remember. Uh, the best way I can describe it is if you've ever played, if you've ever played episode three Lego Star Wars, I, I have a good buddy of mine. His name's Kyle, and we had played that when I was living in Los Angeles, and he loves the Lego game. So anytime I got a Lego game, I say, "Come on over, let's let's play it together." And so we either trade off or play it. You know, we you know you could also play it like you're saying two player in sequence, but. 
the last level of episode three uh, for the Lego game, you're, it's funny because you'd think we would be fighting one another because he's Obi-Wan and I'm Anakin or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, they're doing the, oh, I have the high ground, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> I have instead, the high bricks. <laughs> instead, like, you were basically both leaping around the lava pits, but there are all these, you know, basically stones that you're leaping to and fro, so you don't get dragged down into the lava. But if one of you falls into the lava, both of you lose that level. So Mm -hmm. if you're playing a one player, it's not nearly as difficult because you can be in sync with yourself. But it was that case of we were just laughing our asses off about how, you know, it's like synchronized swimming or something. It's like we were so out of sync at a certain point, and, and we were trying really, really hard. Like, we were like, okay, jump, okay, jump, okay, I'm going to move to the right, okay, I'm going to move to the left. And we were really, really trying, but every time we lost, we just kept laughing, and, and it was just kind of stupid. And I imagine, I don't think I ever remember playing with a two-player, because I think this was a game I rented and just played by myself, like, over a weekend or something from, you know, I don't know, either Blockbuster or whatever was renting SNES games at the time. And I, I could only imagine if you're trying to play this synchronous with somebody else, it, it might actually hinder you because of, you know, all the basketballs you have to dodge and the mm-hmm. guys coming out of the lockers and all that kind of stuff. It's like if you go right and I go left, you know, and we're not in sync, then it's like we both get hit by the basketballs, you know, instead of helping one another, I guess. Yeah. I saw, like, in the videos they were doing team-up moves, like, jumping off one another. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, so I didn't I didn't figure out how to do that. So I, I hit a lot of obstacles face-first rather than avoiding them, I think. When when you play it, is it both Beavis and Butthead, or are you just one person? Even as one player, when you're playing, like, Beavis is on screen, like, following you around. Yeah. And, like, strangely enough, <laughs> one of the buttons, like, you're playing his butthead, and one of the buttons, like, sticks his tongue out. So I made out with Beavis, like, quite a bit, like, just sticking my tongue right in his face. I don't know if I got extra points for doing it, but it was funny it, looking. It, it's, not, it's not actually designed to be a make-out button, even though they seem to do that in a lot of the walkthroughs, like, where they just have time to kill. It's like they both, like, sit there next to each other and, and stick their tongues out at one another. But it's supposed to be, like... Like when you basically a lot of people will drop stuff or out of the lockers, there'll be like pizza or Coke cans that fall out of the vending machines. And when you press that button, technically, that's the eat button. So you'll, you'll oh, eat it oh, up okay. and get health and it'd be like, you know, there'll be the sound effect where it's like munch, 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 munch or whatever. And that's mm-hmm. what you're what the intent of the uh, <laughs> that's what the intent was the the eat button not the uh, make out with Beavis button or whatever you, I, I'm pretty sure I forget what I, I don't know if you hit like the down arrow or what but I think you can actually swap if you wanted to like you know if you wanted instead of having Butthead take the lead you know you could have you know kind of like in Marvel Ultimate Alliance you could have you know whoever's leading the party if you're doing a one player you know and swap between the four characters like in this case you can swap between Beavis and Butthead. So if you wanted Beavis to take the lead instead of Butthead, you could do that as well. Do they have like any different abilities by doing that? I mean it sounds well, interesting. So, I'd go back and play if like Beavis was able I to do like I don't think so. I don't remember though, but I, I, I think they were fairly similar. Like the the only thing I, I remember is kind of what you're saying. Like there there is that instance where you basically you have to have one, you know, either one of, or the other character uh, 
you know, leap you. Like, it's kind of like a leapfrog thing where, you know, Beavis would get in front and Butthead would, like, you know, do a push-up with his, you know, you know with his legs. And yeah, that's what I said. Beavis, like, flying to the other side of the screen. And that can be sometimes kind of helpful if, you know, because a lot of the times you'll have enemies coming at you from behind trying to run and, like, hit you or, mm-hmm. you know, sort of push you out of the way. And and sometimes the, the best way to stay ahead or abreast of those attacks is to actually you know have one guy sort of leapfrog the other guy in the other direction you know sort of out of the the path of harm i guess i did like the game even though i i admittedly suck at it and i will say that you know beavis and butthead itself as a cartoon they kind of um went for a very low-key low-budget art style whether like out of necessity when the show first started or as like a stylistic choice and on Super Nintendo, like even with the graphics back then, I I think they they really represented the art style pretty well. Yeah, it yeah, that was pretty close to the was, cartoon. I mean, I mean, I think the combination of you know, I, I, dare I say, voice acting when it was just a bunch of laughter, but I mean, that the, they really emulated the style of the show pretty well for for something that was a uh, 16-bit graphics, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't a really 3D show; it was very 2D, so you could pull off that flat look really good. So. I mean, it, it was it, obviously it felt like Beavis and Butthead much more than the Wayne's World game felt like Wayne's World, you know, like they had all these familiar characters and the characters basically looked like they did on the television. What are you talking screen. about, man? Like Wayne's World, like one of their biggest enemies was the floating bagpipes who went, <laughs> and, and there, were always, there were always big giant purple hands that came and kidnapped Garth on SNL all the time. Yeah. Come on, man. I don't know what movie you watch. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, so I guess that's Beavis and Butthead. Um, thanks for, for sharing your thoughts on that, Brian. So we, we have basically covered all the various different dares that we've done with Super Nintendo games. If you liked listening to this, let us know, and, and we can do some more dare-type shows like this or maybe with other kind of video games and stuff if anybody's interested. I, I think the SNES games are probably less of a time investment than what Brian is referring to as modern games. I wouldn't expect us all to play you know, Skyrim and talk about it you know, for, yeah. for hours and yeah. do dares like that, but we'll, we'll do our best to try and keep you guys uh, you know, entertained with various different fan holes dares. Would you mind if I ask one more question before we wrap this oh, yeah, part up? Yeah. Go ahead. <clears throat> It'll be really quick because everybody's just got to say yes or no. Uh, I, w- I was the one who came up with this idea, and I was wondering if everybody would play their game again or once was good enough. Um, I'll go ahead and go on mine. Wayne's World, pfft, no, not going to play it again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I own the physical cartridge, and I, I don't even play it anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> You, you haven't you haven't like pooped on it or burned it with a <laughs> the no. angry video game nerd or whatever. No. <laughs> what about you guys? Would you play your dares again, or once was good enough? I'd definitely play Beavis and Butt again. Like um, just by Derek saying that you can swap out and play as Beavis. Like I want to play right now. I'd go back and try it again. I, I kind of I feel bad that I never even got one page of homework, but. I, I, you know, I, so maybe I'll go back and try to at least get one page of homework just to see what that success feels like, you know, instead of the, the stench of defeat. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I did feel fulfilled that I had at least met my goal, which was to at least experience all those different doors and levels and stuff. I'd, 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 if it was on a Game Boy or something, and something I could take somewhere, I'd probably play it again. But like, I mean, I liked it, but I don't know if I like, you know, if I had the choice, I'd probably play something else. 
<laughs> Hi, Lisa. Hi, Super Nintendo Chalmers. All right. Well, now now you've got it firsthand whether or not we would all revisit playing these SNES dares again. I also think we're going to move on now, since this is probably the end of the SNES Dare show. We're going to do our regularly scheduled thing, which is talking about what's awesome in your world this week. So I'm going to reach out and go in reverse. So I'm going to start with Brian and ask him what his awesome thing of the week is. Uh, my awesome thing this week was a third-party Transformer toy. I bought Sound Mixer, which is um, a release from Unique Toys, and it's basically a, a third-party blaster. He's He fits in really well with Deluxe Scale. Depending on what Masterpiece toys you put him next to, he's not too bad with Masterpiece toys either. Um, really, it's just a really good update of G1 Blaster. They didn't change too much of his look or appearance. It's pretty spot-on to how he looked you know, back in the day, but just with like some of the modern conveniences of cool, modern cool toys with great articulation and a, a sweet transformation and, um, you know, just uh, overall better looking sculpt. So I wasn't sure what I'd think of it. The only other unique toys I'd bought in, um, were the shark decons and I actually did like those too. So when I got blaster though, I was really happy with them. So definitely a cool toy this week. Sweet. Does, does blaster, or are there any plans for Blaster to come with any of his cassette tapes? From Unique Toys, you mean? Yeah. Uh, I haven't he- heard of anything yet. He does actually come with um, like a little black cassette that transforms into his gun, and it oh, fits okay. his chest. But cool. yeah. he's not compatible with like the micro-cassette-sized like, G1 Transformers. Which okay. Is oh, probably, probably not con- compatible with the KFC ones either, probably, right? Right. Yeah. All right, very cool, very cool. I will now move on to myself going backwards. I actually got a package from Amazon in today, and one of the things that I ordered that I want to uh, have as my awesome thing of the week, it too is a toy, so I guess in some sense Brian and I are secret brothers. I got the DC Collectibles Arrow 2-pack. This is from the Arrow TV show, and the pack comes with, of course, Oliver Queen, the Arrow, and it also comes with, I, I, I guess, you know, I guess most people would call it like a Deathstroke the Terminator figure, but I guess if you watch the show, it's probably more based on the costume that Billy Wintergreen wore throughout most of the first season of Arrow, so it, it's less of the uh, Jason Voorhees uh Jason X hockey mask that's in the second season and more of the kind of just straight up like kind of rubbery mask where, you know, he's got the one kind of evil menacing eye popping out at you, you know, looking all mean and stuff like that. But I really I I wasn't sure if I was going to like these or not, but I and I was just waiting for the price on Amazon to go to a price point where I was ready to snatch it up because you know, I guess retail is supposed to be like forty nine ninety nine or whatever, and I've seen it go from you know that price to like a little over that, and then to a little under that, where it was like you know forty four or forty five or forty three, and so it, it ended up being about forty bucks on Amazon with you know Prime and everything. So I went ahead and snagged that because I thought that was a pretty reasonable deal for them. And then they're sculpted by the same guys who do the Star Wars Black series, and then also this latest crime syndicate, the DC collectible stuff. It's Gentle Giant. So the sculpts are really, really nice. I mean, they're they're really, really good looking for the most part. 
Uh, the articulation is pretty good. I mean, Deathstroke has double knees. Um, you know, he's got kind of that standard uh, articulation where, you know, you can move his neck around quite a bit. You know, he's got kind of rotating arms. They, they don't rotate out too much, but they're they're decent enough. And, you know, he's got the, the elbow joint and the hand joint and stuff like that. And he comes with a lot of really cool accessories. And then this also avoids one of my pet peeves with six inch action figures all his accessories can fit on the character and what i mean by that is he comes with a pistol the pistol has a holster you can put it in the fucking holster he's got a knife there's a knife holder on the side of his leg you can stick it in the knife holster he's got a really cool sword the sword can go on his back on his little bandolier and it fits in the bandolier so it's not like any of this bullshit where like Baron Zemo has a fucking sculpted gun on his pouch, or Magog in DC Universe Classics has a pistol, but it's a sculpted pistol on the side of his his thigh or whatever, where I'm like, that's bullshit. So this is not bullshit, so that's another reason why it's my awesome thing of the week. Um, Arrow, as far as the character goes, like I said, the sculpt's really good. Uh, speaking to something that Mike had criticized in the past about the Marvel Legends Hawkeye, like his bow being all plastic and you can't pull back the bow when he shoots, Arrow actually comes with a bow where you can pull back um, and, and so you can actually, you know, pull back and, and he's got different hands. So if you want to swap out like fists so he can punch somebody in the face, you can do that. But he also has, I guess you call them arrow holding hands where you can swap those in and, you know, he can hold the little arrow that he comes with. He's got kind of like a, you know, a quiver with a bunch of bundled up arrows, but then you also have two individual arrows that you can use in poses where he can just hold those and pull back on the bow and kind of have that whole setup, you know, right in the figure and everything. The only thing that's really bad about the figures is I'd say the, you know, they're aesthetically pleasing, but they don't have any of the tomato ball joints of Marvel Legends. So their articulation is limited. I, I would almost describe them like DC Universe Classics articulation, only it's fucking... I don't know, handicapped DC Universe Classics articulation <laughs> in that the I, I don't know how to explain it. The thighs are so okay. th there's so much plastic there that you cannot sit down the figure like basically you can they can do the splits just fine. But if you try to have them kick like straight up, they can't do it. You'd break you'd break the toy or you'd need to like shave some of the, you know, you need to make some kind of modification to the toy where you shave some of that plastic because there's no room, you know, like they're not designed in such a way where you can actually have the figure just kick straight up in the air. So it, basically they can't sit down. But they're, other than that, they're designed to look good, but the articulation doesn't meet how the design was made. Uh, just just on the legs, like just on those those uh, like basically, if it bas you know, if you were trying to like do a, a, a action shot where you were like an angry Cobra commander and you're trying to kick a dog in the butt, like you couldn't pose them <laughs> that way. You know what I mean? Like they, they just can't do that motion without either breaking the toy or you having to sort of make a little customization or you know modification to that that section but other than that i mean i i think they're really awesome so that was that was my awesome thing of the week sorry to blab on about that but i thought it was cool and then i guess continuing moving the bizarro backwards motion of who we discussed the snes video games with i'm going to move on to mike and ask him what his awesome thing of the week was well mike got a couple things um first off uh i saw the amazing spider-man 2 which i, I liked i mean 
movie has its problems. It's probably going to be very criticized by the time this, like, uh, well, it already is, but it, it'll probably have a lot of bad vibes surrounding it by the time this podcast airs. But, you know, I liked it, you know, for the most part. I, I think its strengths outweighed its flaws. And, you know, I, as a Spider-Man fan, I am satisfied. And my other two things, uh, speaking of Arrow, I just like to say, like, this, well, when we're recording this, both Arrow and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are, like, one episode away from their seasons ending. I think both of them are doing pretty well. Uh, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. really picked up in the last, like, five or six episodes, and, like, I'm looking forward to watching the season finale, which is a vast improvement from the first half of the season, where I, I was Mike. just kind of watching it, like, what? Mike. Agent Coulson doesn't think you're a loser anymore. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's true. Uh, I, like, the first half of the season, it felt like I was just kind of watching it out of habit. But, like, now I kind of want to see what happens, so that's an improvement. And, Ar- like like I said, like Derek said, Arrow, uh, what do you call it, has been pretty, pretty consistently great for this season, and it's looking to have a fairly epic ending for the season. So, like, uh, I'm uh, looking forward to that. I want to ask you, Derek, with, like, Gotham coming on Fox, do you think Arrow's going to be able to reference, like, Rachel Ghoul and stuff anymore? Or, like, you I don't know. I don't know how that works anymore, because I always thought those embargo things were weird and strange. But Batman always seemed to be the exception to the rule. But I don't know if that extends to, like, his, his side characters. I mean, they've been referencing you know, Ra's al Ghul through this, this whole two seasons. So it seems pretty integral to their plans and plots. I, I would only imagine that whoever Gotham is using, if there is some kind of ridiculous embargo going on, then, you know, maybe there'd be certain characters that are, you know, like obviously they're not going to have Catwoman or Penguin or fucking little fucking Poison Ivy show up on uh, Arrow is all like, that's the only thing I could think of. But <laughs> I don't think there's any reason for those characters to show up on Arrow. So yeah. I wouldn't, I, I don't I wouldn't stress about it too much. You mean, you mean they're not going to have like kid Rachel Ghoul like on Gotham or something? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm Rachel Ghoul. I'm in high school. I <laughs> hate you, Bruce. You're a fool. <laughs> I, I think one of the crazy things about Gotham being on Fox is, is Batman and Superman are obviously Warner Brothers characters, well, technically, by as far as their parent company, and the CW. If you remember way back in the day, that was the uh, WB. Well, it, it still is. I mean, there's yeah. going to be a Flash show coming on the CW. There's going to be an iZombie show, I think, coming on the CW. But then, interestingly enough, like Mike's saying, you got Gotham on, on Fox, Fox, and then you got you got Constantine, I think, on NBC. So, yeah, so, so yeah, there's weird. lots of... Um, I mean, lots of, and, and, and that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, or besides, you know, there's the Agent Carter TV show, so there's that, too. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they, they've worked out all these shady backroom deals and whatnot, so. But I was just curious what you thought about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it'll be fine. I mean, if, if, they, if they can't reference Rachel Ghoul anymore, I think it would be kind of odd, um, especially seeing as how they had him first, I mean, you know, so to speak, yeah. you know, so, so that, that would be my, my take on it, that, that Arrow had first dibs, even though it's a, a Batman character. And I, I don't think, I mean, you know, maybe if Gotham lasts like till season 10 and, well, and yeah, yeah. you know, basically Bruce Wayne is running around in a, uh, you know, leather suit that's not Batman, but has, you know, bat ears somewhere on it. You know, then then maybe you'd end up seeing Rachel Ghoul, but you know, I I wouldn't worry about it too much. 
Yeah, I think I think Gotham is going more for like the criminal element, like you know your penguins and stuff like that. The guys who are in Gotham, and Rachel Ghoul is definitely more of a Bruce Wayne villain. There's like more of a personal thing there. So I think yeah, they, well he's got more of an international scope than you know. It's not like it's not like Rachel Ghoul was chilling in Gotham, you know. Yeah. Technically, so you know he he should be off in you know Nanda Parbat or you know some uh, Middle Eastern country hanging out and you know doing his thing as opposed to just kicking it in Gotham City. So, All right, so I guess that brings us to Tony Jackson. What is your awesome thing of the week, my man? Uh, yeah, mine, Mike and Brian, probably, you probably already know this one, but the uh, I had to go to the Amazon gods because I was, I was tired of the brick-and-mortar gods because I was wanting me some Transformer goodness, and I was like, fuck it, not getting anything here. So I went to Amazon, and I, I got me some Whirl and some Starscream from the Thrilling 30s line. Uh, Starscream is obviously the Armada version, also known as the Rid slash Cybertron ruler version. He's he's red, gray. He's actually a pretty good deluxe. I'm actually really happy with him. They uh, pretty much did one thing that I wanted. They took everything that sucked about the original Armada Starscream and got rid of it and fixed it. You know, he doesn't have a huge backpack. His fists aren't like sticking out of the front of his jet. He's got two swords. His wings don't split apart to make a sword. They're tucked nicely on the back. Just good figure, good figure. And Whirl, everybody loves Whirl, uh, if if not for the toy, the character. Uh, the only thing that's kind of interesting is this Whirl is more of a G1 Whirl, where he actually turns into a helicopter, not some kind of weird VTOL vehicle. But he doesn't hurt my feelings at all. He looks awesome. He's got great posability. Um, like has stated, and this is true, his knees will scare you to fucking death. But other than that, you know, yeah, he's not. He's, yeah, he's not a bad figure at all. Uh, I think one of the strengths of World, one thing I really like, is he comes with a shit ton of weapons. He has four different weapon modules. He's got a chain gun. He's got a uh, null ray. He's got a missile rack, and he's got like a cylindrical missile rack and. Yeah, I was I was happy to get some new Transformers goodness. So yeah, that that definitely made my my week awesome on that. Cool, very cool. So normally this would wrap up our show and we'd be saying adieu, but we also have some feedback. We have some angry, angry. Well, no, it's actually positive feedback. A very well written email from our very own Nathan Bouvier Bouv over as we know him on the Botox forums. He wrote us an email where he's been catching up on on some of our latest stuff. He says, Greetings, fanholes. Some feedback for some of your most recent episodes. Love the Gundam episode, and while I'm sure you've heard this, but I think it was Tony who kept mixing up Trey's and Zex from Gundam Wing. As for the important stuff, there is actually a Gundam RPG game for the PS2 called MS Saga. While the graphics aren't the best for a PS2 game, the gameplay is fun, going back to something similar to Final Fantasy VII. While it doesn't take place in any set Gundam universe, your group of characters come across more and more mobile suits and their parts. So you can customize your different mobile suits, giving your Gundam wing the guns from heavy arms, etc. My biggest disappointment in the game was more lack of graphics and that they didn't make a series out of it. However, I was disappointed in the lack of double-O love. In your anime special, you had mentioned Voices of a Distant Star. Fun fact, it was actually animated by one guy on his own computer. So if the graphics don't look that good for the time it was made, that was the reason. Here's the link to Wikipedia that talks about its production. So he sends us the link for Voices of a Distant Star, and then he goes on to say, as for some of my favorite series finales, 
You can't leave out M.A.S.H. He also enjoyed Rescue Me's finale. It is one of the few deaths in fiction that has truly bothered me. Breaking Bad also had a great finale. I personally loved the finale for Lost, even though my fiancé didn't. And you might be surprised by this one, Star Trek Voyager, because it meant that the series was finally over, and with it, the pain. (laughs) Oh, the pain. One of the worst finales I can recall, at least recently, had to have been Weeds, we see everyone seven years later, the mother hasn't learned a thing, one son is a slime ball, and the other wants almost nothing to do with his family. Can't wait to hear more, and I am enjoying Mobile Suit Mondays. Nathan, a.k.a. Boove. P.S. Still waiting to hear your opinions on time crimes. So that is from Nathan Bouvier. Thank you for the feedback and the email. We're always glad to hear your emails. We understand that the nature of the way we record these can sometimes get timey-wimey, so if you're sitting there after like five months going, where's my email? Why didn't it get read? It's, don't worry, it's getting read right now, but sometimes it takes a while, so sorry about that, Boo, but it's it's read, and it's here, and you've been acknowledged, and we appreciate it. So if anyone else has any emails to send to us, whether it's positive feedback or angry anger, if you loved Wayne's World and you're like, what the fuck? Like, that's <laughs> that's any you want to send us an angry email, feel free. You know, we're at fanholspodcast.gmail.com. Of course, you can always find us on the Fanholes blog spot. You can like us on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Tumblr. We are now on Stitcher Radio. There's a cool little app where you can just Stream the podcast. You don't even have to download it. It's pretty fun. I use it myself on occasion. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. It's Mike Thunderwing. And this is Tony Chainclaw. Excellent. Not. <laughs> not. Not. Oh. <laughs> Horse. You wonder how you keep Think of all the things that really matter And the chances you burn The fire in your heart is growing You can fly if you try Leaving the past behind Heaven only knows what you might find Motherfucking crests, motherfuckers. I, I want my motherfucking crests on this motherfucking flighty flight demon thing. I just want to see the discussion between, like, Phalanx and Arma, like, where, like, Phalanx is like, yo, dude, where's the crests, like, I let you have so you could kick Firebrand's ass? And, like, Arma's like, well, funny story, like, he beat me, so I figured he just deserved the crest, you know? <laughs> it's like, Phalanx is like, you're fired. Dude, what? I got like. Dude, I got Did, What? With your crest? <laughs>